Hello again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 23 of Hunter Hunted, my AVP fan fiction. I should say, the first AVP fan fiction that I ever wrote all those years ago. Do hope you've been enjoying this stroll through that universe that I created all those years ago. And as always, if you can like, subscribe, leave me feedback wherever you can, either at fanfiction.net or archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com on the Hunter Hunter Redux tab. It's all appreciated and it all shows me how much you've been enjoying this. So I'm hoping you're enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying doing it. So, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer, I don't own anything AVP. That's all a part of their respective studios. I just own sexy huntresses. Many of them. Ha ha ha. Enjoy the show. Chapter 23 the father's daughter. The first thing that permeated the darkness of a void she was in was a loud beeping noise. First she couldn't tell what it was or where it was coming from, but something told her to head towards it. Not that she really knew what it was or where she was, or indeed how to move towards it, but somehow it didn't seem to get louder that told her she was getting closer. Suddenly it was something like went click in her head and she opened her eyes. Instantly her eyes were assaulted by bright light that sent her seen needles of pain squirming into her brain, causing her to squint and try and focus her vision. Slowly her vision swam into focus, as it did her other senses reconnected as well. She was in a very unfamiliar room, and for some reason she was hanging from a set of chains that held her arms rather painfully above her head. She shook at the chains and began to look around in panic. Her body also felt rather cold. When she looked down, she realised she was as naked as the day she was born. Where was she? What was happening? Who had done this to her? And where were her parents? Questions shot through the brain and a frenzy of panic built up. She didn't have any answers, but all she did know was she was scared. Well, it looks like the little abomination is awake, finally, a snarling but rather feminine voice said in fluent Yuzhuta from behind her. Her mother had taught her Yuzhuta, just like her father had taught her Uman, and she spoke both perfectly. She tried to turn her head to see who spoke. Who, who, who's there? she asked with a trembling voice. Heavy footfalls announced an unknown presence was on the move and suddenly a massive Yejuta female walked around in front of her. Sela's eyes went wide as she saw her. Unlike her mother, this female was about as far from pretty as you could possibly get. Her face was horribly scarred, and her top left mandible was missing, giving her face a kind of lopsided effect. She had dark grey skin that made her look deathly pale and ill. Both her eyes were blood red, and she had a massive scar that ran straight through her left one. Her cranial ridges were all gnarled and twisted to the point it looked like tree bark on her forehead, with what appeared to be some form of horns set about the edges. She stood about eight feet tall, and looked like a walking tank in heavy black and red armour that covered her body and clanked as she moved. The large, ugly Yejuta female looked over Salith as she hung helpless from the chains that suspended from the ceiling of the room. Why the males took a liking to looking at you naked, I'll never know. 
You look like a porking painted woman. Maybe they're intimidated by a real Yejuta female. Who knows? The female said in a deep, gravelly voice. The merest thought of people ogling her naked body made Sarah Ellith sick to her stomach. She wished her father was here right now, but she was confused by this as well. Who was this strange woman? Do you know who I am, child? The female asked, seeming to sense her confusion. No, Sarah stammered, trying to contain her fear. The female drew her mandibles up into a dark and hideous smile. I was the matriarch of the clan that your beloved parents killed, and now they are going to know my pain and loss. I'm going to show them what it's like to lose one's family as I have lost mine. They too will now lose theirs, she said in a venom-filled voice. This confused Sarah for a moment, for a horrible realisation sunk in. This vile-looking creature must have been the leader of the Bad Blood clan that stranded Matriarch and her patriarch on the planet where they'd first met. Sala knew the story well, as her Matriarch and her father had often recounted it for both her and her brother many times. She had always revelled in their tremendous victory over the Bad Bloods, but it appeared they hadn't got them all. Normally, I don't tend to introduce myself to my prey before I strike them down. But this time, since my prey is such an unusual one, and given that you are an abomination, a living symbol of your matriarch's deviancy, I thought it would be prudent to indulge my curiosity and speak to you. And I must say, I am rather impressed by her, the bad blood matriarch said. This confused Sarah no end. Impressed? she asked curiously. Oh, absolutely. I never thought that one could take deviancy so far as she, but you are living proof that I stand corrected. In fact, it makes me a little curious about it myself, if I'm honest. What must have sex with that woman male have been like for her to abandon her own kind so easily as she did? I must can only conclude that it must have been mind-blowing. Maybe when your beloved parents show up, I may just take your father as my own. And try him out for myself, the blood blood matriarch said with a dark smile. Salath could feel her blood boiling at the thought of her father being forced to submit to this vile creature, but she remained wordless, as she knew that her father was mighty and powerful, and he would never submit to her in body or soul. The bad blood matriarch seemed to sense her defiance, and she clicked her mandibles in amusement. Now you know what? I have a better idea. Why limit myself to just one species? There must be something for this woman, a full-blooded huntress of the Shadowclaw clan to turn her back on her own kind so easily. So why not taste the best of both worlds, she said darkly. Salath looked at her with a dark curiosity, wondering what the hell this mad woman was on about. The matriarch smiled like something out of a nightmare. Now that I think about it, I'd like to taste that brother of yours. Ah, how sweet it would be to taste that forbidden fruit, eh? The joys of youthful energy and exuberance and vigour at my fingertips. He can teach me the joys of human sex, while at the same time his Juta body should be able to take the punishment I could inflict upon him. Oh yes, I think it might make him my hunt trophy, and to make my victory all the sweeter... 
Once you are all broken and defeated, I'll make you all watch as I take him to my bed and force him to submit to me for the first time. Do you think your deviant matriarch would enjoy that? Having to watch as her own pup is forced to give her sworn enemy the sweetest of pleasures as I take him right in front of her. The bad blood matriarch said in a voice that made Sarah feel physically sick. She was dying to scream in this vile female's face to leave her brother alone. But she didn't want to give her the pleasure. But I'm done conversing with you, child. Let the hunt begin, she said, and with a wave of her hand, Sarah felt a sharp pain in her neck and the world went black again. Sarah felt cold, a cold rushing sensation blasting over her skin at high speed. Her eyes fluttered open, and she found herself looking in the most beautiful blue sky that she'd ever seen. It was so clear and so close, she felt like she could reach out and touch it. Suddenly the fact that her hair was whipping around her head like a veil became apparent to her, as did the sensation of falling. Turning to her left, she realised the ground seemed to be rather far away. That's when it hit her. She actually was falling through the air. Panic set in hard, and a sudden rush of adrenaline into her system cleared her mind in an instant. Her first instinct was to panic and to try and flap her arms about, but this only seemed to spin her around. A flap of her other arm countered this, just in time to stop her spiralling out of control. Suddenly she heard her father's voice recounting the way the bad bloods had dropped him into the planet and how he'd met a matriarch on. The words of how he flew through the air hit her and remembering his words like they were instructions she was able to flip herself over and immediately brought her arms and legs up to stabilise herself. Quickly she looked under her body and realised she was wearing the same blinking device on her chest that her father had. She was also wearing the same type of winged suit that he had described to her, so quickly she forced her arms and legs straight and held them out. This caused air to fill up the pockets and her high-speed drop stopped. She shot forwards instead at insane speed. Steering was a problem, as she didn't have a clue how to do it. But again her father's words came to mind describing how adjusting the angles of one's arm or leg will cause you to shoot off to one side or the other. So with a couple of tests, she was able to get the hang of steering herself through the air. Now all she had to do was look to look for a place to try and land. That was assuming the fabric thing. What did her father call it? Parachute? Yeah, that was it. That was assuming that the parachute actually worked and she didn't end up like most of the other humans that had been dropped on up onto this planet. Looking left and right, Sala noticed a small clearing to her right. She turned herself slowly towards it. It was going to be difficult, and it was all it was going to be in the timing, but she lined up on it and tried to adjust her speed, tilting forward to go faster. And then when she was just about right, tilting herself upwards so that her speed dropped. Suddenly the blinking thing started to beep and this got rapidly faster and faster till there was a loud pop and she was wrenched upwards by an invisible hand. Now I know why father hates porking trees! Sela yelled to herself as she swung about trying to grab the nearest branch to herself as she hung from the massive tree her chute had caught in. Or at least she was up, wasn't upside down like her father had been 
when he was in this position many years ago. Finally, though, she was able to swing herself close enough to catch hold of the branch and pull herself over to it. As she startled it, she was able to figure out how the clip on the back of the parachute worked and unhooked herself from it. She felt her weight sag onto the branch as it released her. Slowly she moved backwards over the branch, keeping it clamped between her legs until she reached the trunk. Then slowly she turned and proceeded to climb down until she was back on the ground. Now, since the first time she'd been grabbed in their room, she had time to take stock of what was happening to her. It appeared that she'd been grabbed by the same dark blood blood clan that had kidnapped her father and matriarch, or what was left of them anyway, after her matriarch and patriarch had wiped out their clanship. Now, in the same way they had hunted her father and matriarch, they were planning on hunting her. Then another thought struck her. What about her beloved brother? Was he here too? If so, she had to find him. But first she had to take stock of her situation, just like her father had taught her to do. Rushing about like a headless clicks lizard helped no one. So quickly she took off the wingsuit and looked at what she had. It seemed that the bad bloods couldn't decide on whether she was human or Yujuta when they'd been giving her a kit to fight with. Equipment was a mixture of both. She had the same sort of fatigues that her father often wore, but at the same time she had a chest plate and shoulder armour like that of which her matriarch often wore. On her right arm she had a set of Yujuta wrist blades, though when they extended, the blades looked like they were very poor quality. Nothing like the craftsmanship that her father put into the weapons that he made for them all. She sighed at that thought. What she wouldn't give for one of his little handcrafted blades right now. Those things could cut through just about anything. Plus she loved the fact that he'd spent ages placing runes on the blade, with either Yejuta or Celtic symbols, or a combination of both, while they were red hot. The finished products were the most beautiful and intricate instruments of death that you could imagine. The thought of him at his forge, making her or her brother a new sword or dagger, made her smile. Then she remembered the look on her matriarch's face, when he'd given her that dual set of handcrafted shadow metal wrist blades that Christmas, and the memory of her matriarch in that strange-looking red long bobble hat with the white pom pom on the end of the tip and a white fringe that her father had made her wear and had spent ages making her laugh completely out of the blue. She loved her clan deeply, and she knew in her heart that they would come for her and her brother if he was here too. All she had to do was find him, and then both had to stay alive until they arrived, like the wings of vengeance and justice. The thought of her matriarch and father riding into battle against their enemies again, like the old days, filled her heart with pride, because now she would be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with her clan, and fight their enemies, like every true Yejuta craved. So quickly she looked at the rest of her kit that she'd been given, appeared also they'd given her a mixture of Uman and Yejuta weaponry. They'd given her an AS-50, like she and her father favoured, but it wasn't one of his specially modified versions, and it looked a little beat up. Probably stolen, she thought. She had about a hundred rounds of ammo for it. Instead of a sidearm like her father's, she had a dart launcher with a couple of rounds of ammo for it. 
Now she knew that she had to be careful with this thing, as not only was the ammo reusable, but it had a nasty habit of being tipped with poison. The last thing she'd found clipped to her hips above her bum. They'd given her a Yajuta hunting mask. Sella grinned as she turned over the beat-up mask in her hands. She figured that the Viseras attempted a dig at their heritage. They probably figured that she'd not know how to use it being a hybrid. How wrong they were. With that, she clipped it to her face and it instantly booted up, showing her a thermal image of the world around her. Little did they know how diligent her matriarch was in her teachings. They thought she was going to be easy target because she was a half-breed child. Little did they know that ever since she was old enough to walk that she'd trained with the two best hunters in the galaxy and the best of both worlds were in her now. She would not let her clan down and she'd show these bad blood porks of the best of humanity and Yajut could really do. And with that thought, she turned off and headed into the jungle. As she looked around at the jungle, as she walked around, she began to realise that she had been dropped down into the very same planet that her parents had escaped. It was exactly as they described it to her in their tales of this place. She had her AS-50 in the shoulder as she moved. The Yajuta strength made it rather easy for her to walk around with a weapon this big in her hands. Despite having inherited her father's size, she had inherited her matriarch's muscle density, so her strength was far in excess of an Ooman girl her age. But on the other end of the scale, while she wasn't as strong as a pure-blood Yajuta female would have been, she was far more flexible and faster, as well as her Ooman Yajuta DNA, giving her a perfect balance of the two. This had often shown when she'd played games like hide-and-seek with her father, as well as Tag. He always had a real job of catching her because of her speed and her ability to change direction on a pinhead. She would dance around him, laugh him, calling him slow old man. But that's when he decided to deploy his dream warrior abilities and turn the tables. He was able to predict easily where she would go, so he would suddenly change direction and seemingly appear in front of her out of nowhere and scoop her up into her arms as she squealed and wiggled in delight as he would inevitably start tickling her. Afterwards she'd always sulk and call him a cheater, but she'd always loved their games really. A sudden rustle to her left caused her to swing around with a weapon in the shoulder. The mask instantly revealed four heat signatures fanning out. Given their size and shape, she guessed that these were what they called the Calibri wolves that her matriarch had described to her after her father's first victory together. She decided that the best way to deal with these things would be swiftly and decisively. So quickly she sighted the first one up and steadied her breath before squeezing the trigger, just the way her father had taught her. The huge rifle roared and she saw a hot poom kick out the side of the wolf before it dropped. Then she quickly adjusted, just as the other started to move, and dropped the second one with a centre mass shot. Two of them burst out of the grass directly ahead of her, one of which she dealt with point-blank, snapshot, jamming the massive muzzle into its mouth as she pulled the trigger, which caused its head and half of its upper back to explode with the force of the huge round ripping its way through. But this impact caused her to drop the rifle, and the last wolf took this opportunity. It attacked her, hitting into her, into her back on the floor. 
Sella quickly grabbed its jaws and held them open just like a matriarch had taught her. Then she wrapped her legs around its midsection before flicking her right arm to cause her wrist blades to extend. With a growl of pure rage, she slammed her fist into the side repeatedly, causing the massive blades to slice into the wolf's flesh. It tried to howl in pain, but she still had its mouth jammed open. Then she managed to score a direct hit on one of the creature's heart, and she felt the blades bounce off its ribs as they punched between them and directly into its heart. This caused the creature to stop and drop. It was now dead weight. After she managed to wriggle out from under the dead wolf, she stood up and surveyed the four corpses of the wolves. She'd won, totally and utterly on her own, without any assistance from her parents. She felt a sudden blood rush hit her, and she roared to the sky of her victory, beating her chest with her fist, just like she'd seen her matriarch do after her own victories. Then looking down at the dead wolf right in front of her, she leaned down and tore one of its razor-sharp teeth from its maw and held it up. My first trophy of this place. I'll make you proud, father. You'll see, she said to no one, holding the tooth right in front of her fist before placing it in her fatigue-bark trouser pocket. Then she turned, picked up her rifle again and carried on further into the jungle. As she walked, she realised that her father's words were true about places like this. From the ground, you can't even tell what direction you're facing. You need to get higher to survey the area around to make a plan. Wandering around aimlessly would only make her life much, much harder and make her enemies' lives much easier as she'd been leaving trails everywhere for them to follow. Looking up, she spotted a rather large rocky cliff in the distance and decided to head for it. It was a rather long walk, and by the time she'd made it, darkness had fallen. Looking up at the large cliff, she spotted a cave near the top, underneath an overhang. So slinging the rifle over her shoulder, she prepped her hands for a climb. This is where her brother far excelled over her. He was a natural when it came to climbing, where she preferred to be on the floor in the foliage. But as her father always said, needs must when the devil drives. So she climbed up the rock face slowly until she reached the top of the plateau near the top. Just as she laid on the grass near the edge, catching her breath, something shiny caught her eye off to her left. Reaching out, she picked up the very familiar object and instantly her heart skipped a beat. It was a fifty caliber shell case. Her energy suddenly restored, Sella jumped to her feet and headed straight into the cave mouth. As she descended into the pitch blackness, a mass did its job and revealed the cave interior. There on the left was a huge wooden bed covered in animal skins. Beyond it, up against the far wall, was a weapons rack and armour stands. To her right was a large fire pit with a large cooking cauldron over it like a pot. She couldn't believe her eyes. What were the chances of this? She'd actually found the cave that had housed her matriarch during her time here, and later her father when they'd met. It was in this very cave that they'd lived together and fought to survive this place, and now, many, many cycles later, the product of that love, they had come fighting the same foes. She quickly turned and noticed the massive log 
that would be used to block the door from intrusion, and she pushed it into place, sealing up the cave entrance, before heading over to the massive bed and sitting down on it. The furs still felt soft and luscious, as when they would have been first harvested. She lay down on the bed and reached her hands behind her head, as her mind spun of all of this. Suddenly her hand hit something that felt like skin, and she grabbed it, pulling it out. Sitting back up, she looked at the object in her hands. It was a book of some kind, and something her father had told her pinged into her mind. The matriarch had kept a diary, and that's when she was furious she'd been forced to leave it behind. Could this very book be her matriarch's diary? Quickly she scrambled up and around, looking using her tools and skills. She got a fire going in the pit and used it to light the candles which still sat in their holders around the cave. Then she removed her mask, opened the book to the first page. Taking a deep breath, she looked down and saw the Yejuta letters written in blood. This was it. This was her matriarch's diary. So quickly she got herself comfortable and she began to read. So that was it, ladies and gentlemen. Chapter 23 of Hunter Hunted. And Seller has now come full circle and ended up on the same planet as her mother and father did all those years ago. Will she survive? Or will the Blad Bloods hunt her down? Only one way to find out. Tune in next time. So there's until next time. This is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time. <laughs>